just trying to catch John's eye to see if we're ready. Are we ready? Okay, great. Well, we're very, the clock over there is just before nine, but uh, I think we'll make a start. So good morning to you all. Welcome to uh, everybody here in church. Welcome to those who are with us online. Uh, just a couple of notices before we start, or as we start. Um, it's our one prayer meeting tonight at seven o'clock. Uh, so we will gather in church uh, to pray. Do come. Uh, there's a lot to pray about, as always. So that's seven o'clock tonight in church. Uh, we've got an all-age service at 10.45 this morning, uh, so do pray that people come and uh, join in worship of, of that at uh, that time. Uh, there's a, some fridge magnets still available. If you haven't got one of those, they're just to put on your fridge to help you to get your head around the, the changing Sunday morning service time, so do grab one as you go if you'd like to. And I think that is all the notes is wise. Okay. Uh, so our service this morning carries on our series. We're looking at the Pete Gregg uh, prayer series, Unanswered Prayer. And uh, Debbie's our preacher this morning, preaching on where is God when heaven is silent. So that's a bit later on. So as we gather, we've got some uh, words, some opening words to join in with as we begin our time together. So jo do join in the words in bold type. <clears throat> as the weak realise their strength, as the poor eat and are satisfied, God's love abides in us. As the stranger finds a friend, as the family offers forgiveness, God's love abides in us. As the ends of the earth know of Christ's grace, God's love abides in us. So let's stand and sing our opening hymn. The Splendour of the King. Let's stand together.
Do be seated. And so we come before God who is great and who is, who is holy. And we are going to say some words that uh, admit that. And so we join in together and say the prayer of preparation together. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ said, The first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is the only Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Amen. Lord, have mercy. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. So we come before him to confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. And we're using Confession E from page 20. Remember, Lord, your compassion and love, for they are everlasting. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Remember, remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, but think on me in your goodness, O Lord, according to your steadfast love. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame, for I have put my trust in you. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. So let's keep a moment of quiet before I say the words of absolution. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And so, having received God's forgiveness and a new start in our lives, we sing how deep the Father's love for us. Let's stand to sing together.
be seated and Richard is going to bring us our Bible reading. The reading this morning is from Psalm 22 verses 1 to 11 and then continuing at verse 29. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. 
From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. This is the word of the Lord. So let's pray for Debbie, shall we, as she comes to preach. Father, we pray you bless Debbie as she comes to speak to us. Lord, thank you for uh, the time that she's spent in preparation. Uh, bless her as she speaks and us as we hear. Lord, may we hear your voice speaking clearly through Debbie and may we uh, be obedient to your will. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Peter, and thank you, Richard, as well. Well, I don't know about you, um, but I'm actually finding this series so helpful and encouraging, bizarre as that might sound when we're in the middle of a series about unanswered prayer. I think I find it encouraging because it's so real. It doesn't gloss over the pain or suffering we experience, or pretend to find answers for the unexplainable. But it does encourage us to keep on pressing into God, leaning into his love, and in all the harrowing stories that we've heard during the course, there is strongly planted within them all a seed of hope. Indeed, a quote that stood out for me in the film clip that accompanies this particular week is this incredible truth. By holding together both the hurt and the hope, power can flow through our pain. I think that should come up on the next. Yeah, excellent. Thank you. The hope does not invalidate our pain. Indeed, in God's economy, the two can and do exist side by side. I also think it's remarkable and incredibly poignant that Pete Gregg, this amazing author and speaker on prayer, someone who is clearly so passionate about praying and the power of prayer, is yet to have his deepest longing in prayer realised. If you've been watching the film series, you'll know that Sammy, his wife, suffered a brain tumour over 20 years ago when their children were very small. And to this day, she still suffers horrific seizures that can land her up in hospital and that seriously affect her day-to-day life. Pete and Sammy are such an incredible example of power flowing through pain. And I'm sure this experience has given them an insight, a compassion, a humility and a dependence on God that wouldn't be there without that experience. 
Although having said that, Pete is very clear and very honest that if he could, he would sacrifice all of that in exchange for Sammy being well. So before we get into looking some more at Holy Saturday itself, let's spend some time looking at Psalm 22, part of which Richard has just read to us. There are several things that are striking about it that you may have noticed, and um, some of these I certainly didn't realise before I began to write this talk. First of all, you may have noticed that like many of the Psalms of Lament, it vacillates between hope and despair. It holds both the hurt and the hope that I've just been referring to. It is incredibly real about the pain and the anguish, and it doesn't gloss over it. The hope does not invalidate the pain. Now, I relate so well to the Psalms in this way, as although any suffering I might have been through is nothing in comparison to what is described there, I do really identify with the whole range of emotions expressed in them. Now, the few who know me really, really well will testify to the fact that my inner world is actually really very turbulent. I can often experience a full range of intense emotions in the space of one morning. And Peter has at times been known to describe life with me as being like riding on a roller coaster. You strap yourself in, cling on for dear life, and trust that you're going to emerge at the other end in one piece if more than a little shaken by the ride. You see, if I allow them to, my supersized feelings run the show. Now these days, thankfully, most of the time, what I express outwardly is much more measured, uh, but this is only the result of much work on myself, um, much time with God, much outward and inner grappling and um, much um, seeking his help and his transformation. So the Bible gives us both the permission and language to express both the hurt and the hope simultaneously, and I absolutely love that about the Bible. Now, I think what is also striking about Psalm 22 is the way it so accurately predicts and portrays what was going to happen to Jesus on the cross all that time later. Scholars think that Psalm 22 was written by David about a thousand years or more before Jesus was born. And whilst it depicts David's feelings at the time, it's an even truer depiction of the sufferings of Jesus. It really is incredible when you read through it. And I'm sure you noticed that as Richard read it. Verses 7 and 8 say this, All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. And verses 17 and 18, which weren't actually part of, the, of what we had read, say this, All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So like some of the other psalms, it's an incredibly accurate prediction 
of what Jesus was to endure. Its accuracy and its horrors send shivers down our spine as we read it. And the final point that I want to make about Psalm 22 is that it starts and ends with the words Jesus uttered on the cross. The most anguished cry in human history that Peter talked about last week, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then it ends with the words, he has done it, or in some translations, it is finished. Pete Gregg says that it's conceivable that on the cross, Jesus was recalling this psalm as he suffered his agonising death. But the only parts that he had the strength to utter out loud were the first line and the last line. Pete Gregg says this about it. Jesus was meticulously articulating scripture in his agony. Somehow, in this moment of utter desolation, the Bible was still giving language to his hurt and his hope. Isn't that incredible? And it's definitely worth pausing there for a moment, I think, to try and take in some of the enormity and the power of that. So this week we are focusing on Holy Saturday, a day that doesn't get a lot of mention, a day sandwiched between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, a day when heaven was silent. But Holy Saturday is there, and I think it's important that we don't leapfrog from Good Friday to Easter Sunday without considering what we can learn from it and how an understanding of the day in between can help in those times where heaven is silent and confusion and disappointment seems to reign. Pete Gregg, in his book, God on Mute, describes this day as the day where most of us live most of the time. He says this, We know that Jesus died for us yesterday. We know that there will be miracles tomorrow. But what of today, this eternal Sabbath, when heaven seems silent? God is a God who speaks, isn't he? We know that. He speaks to us through scripture. He speaks to us in the person of Jesus. He speaks to us through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he sometimes speaks to us through others. But he is also a God who is sometimes silent. As slaves, the Israelites cried out to God for 430 years before he spoke. That's a very long period of silence and waiting to endure. Eugene Peterson says this about it. This seemingly unending stretch of the experience of the absence of God is reproduced in most of our lives and most of us don't know what to make of it. He goes on to say... Indeed, the story in which God does his saving work arises among a people whose primary experience of God is his absence. That's quite remarkable when you think about it, isn't it? 
So how do we attempt to make any sense of this in our own lives? Well, the Bible assures us that God hasn't left us even when we can't feel his presence. Jesus promises that he will never leave us or forsake us. Jesus is the only one in human history who actually experienced being forsaken by God. In his book, God's on Mute, Pete Gregg cites two amazing quotes which help encapsulate some of the anguish that Jesus must have gone through. I think they're going to come up on the screen. The first one is um, the the philosopher Albert Camus, and he said this, The agony would have been easy if it could have been supported by eternal hope, but for God to be man, he had to despair. And secondly, Romario Cantalamessa, I've been practicing that one, um, preacher to the papal household, said, Christ became the atheist, the one without God, so that men might return to God. Wow, again, those take some digesting, don't they? But the huge comfort and hope that we have in our distress is that because of the cross, nothing can ever separate us from God's love and his presence, even if at times it feels as if God has abandoned us. And it's also interesting that often those who accomplish amazing things for God talk of experiencing times where they feel God is silent and where they struggle with doubts and despair. I find this hugely encouraging too because my Christian walk is characterised by swathes of time where it seems as if God is absent and others where he is so close it's as if I can feel his breath on me. Pete Gregg says that he struggles massively with doubts and Mother Teresa was apparently plagued by doubts and insecurities. She wrote this, They think that my faith, hope and love are overflowing and that my intimacy with God and my union with him fills my heart. If only they knew. In my own soul, I feel often that God does not want me, that God is not God and that God does not exist. And yet here is someone who gave her life to serving God and blessed so many people with her sacrificial love. Pete Gregg writes that it is one of the biggest it, bleh, sorry, to start again. Pete Gregg writes that it is one of the biggest ironies that our unanswered prayers can be used to craft the greatest answers to prayer that we will ever experience. You see, grace does groweth best in winter, if you remember that quote from the first talk on this series. The changes that God wants to do in our hearts as we grow and mature happen far less easily if we are continually basking in the delight of his presence and in his miraculous provision. Our faith can only mature so far if we are never called on to trust when times are tough and God seems absent. It's in these times 
that our roots deepen and we begin to mature from an us-centred faith to a Christ-centred one. We are, after all, called to live by faith and not by sight. Now, one of the things that I sometimes say to people who ask me how I can continue to have faith when circumstances seem to deny that God exists is this. I have no answer at all to the awful pain that you are going through. I can only imagine how hard it must be. But for me, what keeps me trusting in God in those times is that I would much sooner go through it with God than without him. And as um, Corrie Ten Boom, who survived the horrors of the Holocaust, put it far more eloquently than me, when you find yourself in a long, dark tunnel, that is not the time to get off the train. Of course, this doesn't mean that these times aren't hugely painful and disturbing. The hope does not invalidate the pain. And I think it's important that we don't try to solve the problem of God's silence with simplistic explanations of complex situations, lopsided applications of scripture, or platitudes designed to bring comfort, but that are premature and only add to the pain we and others experience. We need to be prepared, however uncomfortable it may be, to sit in the mess of Holy Saturday and to wait. Pete Gregg writes this when reflecting on the funeral of a friend who had died leaving a wife and three young children. How very fragile our faith must be if we can't just remain sad, scared, confused and doubting for a while. In our fear of unknowing, we leapfrog Holy Saturday and rush the resurrection. We race disconcerted to make meaning and find beauty where there simply is none yet. So what can help us to engage the silence of Holy Saturday? There's a whole chapter on this in God on Mute, which I'd really recommend. But I just want to cite three things that to me seemed really helpful from that. And I'll just do this very briefly. Number one is, look back and remember God's faithfulness. And I think, yeah, excellent. Engage with the still small voice, however faint and distant it may seem through remembering how God has blessed us in the past and calling to mind those scriptures that declare his steadfast love for us. Go through the motions of faith, even if it seems futile. Spiritual muscle memory is hugely important when we're going through seasons of heartbreak and struggle. Far from abandoning the word of God on the cross, Jesus at the point when he was utterly forsaken, a pain we will never have to experience, recalled the scriptures and found them more poignant and pertinent than ever. So let's allow God's word to give voice to both our pain and our hope. And remember that as it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, hope does not disappoint. Secondly, have faith in the faith of others, even in those times where we can't have faith ourselves. 
lean into our Christian friends and ask others to pray for you. Be honest with them about how tough it is. Don't isolate yourself. And if you're the friend, allow others to express their pain and stay with their Holy Saturday. Don't try to rush them onto Easter Sunday too soon. And thirdly, I love the way Pete Gregg puts this, exercise a daily choice to believe your beliefs and doubt your doubts. Even when our feelings are telling us the opposite, choose to trust. And believe me, I do know how hard that can be because with my supersized feelings, I struggle massively with this. But choosing to trust in spite of them is how we hold the hurt and the hope so that God's power can flow through us. So as I close, where does that leave us? What are we to make of Holy Saturday? Well, with hindsight, we know, don't we, that it wasn't the end of the world. It was the space between two worlds. Living as we do with the assurance and the hope of Easter Sunday, we know our trials and our suffering, our periods of longing and waiting will not go on forever. God may be silent today, but we know that he will speak soon. Our prayers may remain unanswered, but we know a day will come when he will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more suffering, anguish and pain. This optimism was not something that was afforded to the first disciples. But on our Holy Saturday, we can look to the sure and certain hope of resurrection. So Holy Saturday is a day when we may wonder, where is God? Yet, as Pete Gregg says, the answer may be he is right here with us in the muck and the mess of our daily lives and our broken world. When we are present in a situation, however awful it may be, he cannot be absent. And often when we cry out to God to airlift us out of a situation to safety, God parachutes down to join us in the muck, the mess, and the chaos. God does not leave us alone. Grace groweth best in winter, and as Pete Gregg points out, the will of God is often much darker, painful, and deeper than we imagine. Just look at the cross. But let's end as Jesus ended his earthly life by focusing on scripture and on these words from Isaiah 49 verses 14 to 16. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. Amen. Thank you, Debbie. There's a lot there, isn't there, to think about and reflect on. So a little bit of time to do that now. And uh, we're going to have a, <clears throat> excuse me, a song played over YouTube.
Uh, you'll recognise it. It's the Lord's my shepherd. Uh, so let's use this time just to be quiet and uh, be with God. The Lord's my shepherd, I'll not want. He makes me lie in pastures green. He leads me by the still, still waters. His goodness restores my soul. And I will trust in you. And I will trust in you. For your endless mercy follows me. Your goodness will guides my ways in righteousness, and he anoints my head with oil, and my cup it overflows with joy, I feast on his And I will trust in you for your endless mercy follows me, your goodness will. For your endless 
And so we come before God in prayer. Almighty God and Father, we do not come before you in our prayers this morning because we think we are so good and wonderful, but because you have been so good and wonderful to us. You have adopted us into your family and you bless us as your children. Heavenly Father, help us to cling to the promises you make to your family, to love us when we see only our selfishness and lack of love to you and for you, to forgive us because of everything Jesus Christ did for us in his life of love and in his dying on the cross. To give your family a share in the resurrection when their bodies are worn out and rest in dust and ashes. We thank you for giving us Jesus Christ our Lord who walks out in front of us to lead your people safely through difficult and trying times. We wonder and we marvel that he would turn his back on a big name for himself in his life on this earth and choose instead to go to that place of suffering and death out of love for all people in the world. And there he identified with all godly people who have called out in despair, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? May your spirit help us to carry the cross for those who are in need of our loving concern, doing the best we can for their individual needs, without counting the cost to ourselves. Bless all those who feel like giving up. Those who feel they cannot take any more sickness and suffering. Those who care for the sick, the dying, and those who grieve. So let's pause and name them now in our hearts before God. O God, we pray that you will bless our leaders who have big responsibilities to carry, that you would be with the leaders of our country, including, of course, the Prime Minister and, of course, our Sovereign, the Queen. We pray that you would be with the leaders of our churches, all clergy, bishops, ministers, lay leaders, that you would be with the leaders of industries, factories, schools, and businesses. Again, Let's pause and name them in our hearts before God.
Give us new strength by your Holy Spirit. As Christ comes to us in his supper, refresh us, Lord, for the journey ahead. Replenish our faith and give us new confidence for the future. We ask all these things and more in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And so we are going to share the peace, the peace that Christ won for us by dying on the cross. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's share the peace with each other in a COVID-friendly way. We're using Eucharistic Prayer H. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to praise you, Father, Lord of all creation. In your love you made us for yourself. When we turned away, you did not reject us, but came to meet us in your Son. You embraced us as your children and welcomed us to sit and eat with you. In Christ, you shared our life, that we might live in him and he in us. He opened his arms of love upon the cross and made for all the perfect sacrifice for sin. On the night he was betrayed, our supper with his friends, He took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His body is the bread of life. At the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, again he gave you thanks. He said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His blood is shed for all. As we proclaim his death and celebrate his rising in glory, send your Holy Spirit that this bread and this wine may be to us the body and blood of your dear Son. As we eat and drink these holy gifts, make us one in Christ, our risen Lord. With your whole church throughout the world, we offer you this sacrifice of praise and lift our voice to join the eternal song of heaven. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, 
heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. As our Saviour has taught us, so we pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
body of Christ, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Blood of Christ shed for you. And so we say this prayer together. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love, gave us grace and opened the gates of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the Spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us, so we and all your children shall be free, and the whole earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. And so we stand to sing our final hymn, Great is thy faithfulness, O God our Father. Let's stand to sing together.
so as we go. So as we go. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of his Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you, and remain with you now and always. Amen. And so we go in peace, to love and to serve the Lord. In the name of God.